Well, we want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast today. We're excited to have another conversation. I'm here with Rhonda, and we want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to put Jesus as our all, to have Jesus over and above all else. And, you know, this does seem to be a thread of this year as we're kind of diving into learning you know, what does it mean to be a resilient disciple? How do we become heart strong in our discipleship? How do we live out our faith in a way that we are resilient when the storms come, when the hardships come, when the trials come, when it's difficult? And, you know, part of that conversation has to do with making, putting Jesus as first and giving him first place in our lives. And, you know, the scripture, very popular, many people know it, um, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and strength. And what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean to live that out, the all part? I know we focused on the soul. We focused on the heart. We focused on, you know, we've had lots of podcasts talking about this, um, both Jesus saying, you know, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And, and it's an important and worthy conversation. And I think it's a conversation that we need to keep having because, stuff seems to keep getting in the way, right? We don't even realize and other things start to creep into that first place. And it's interesting that Jesus said too, that it was the first and greatest commandment because the actual first commandment was love the Lord your God. No, it was um, have no other gods before me. So the very first commandment was have nothing else in my place. And then Jesus came onto the scene and sort of claimed love God with all your heart, soul and mind, which kind of encapsulates the heart of the very first commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I think this would be a great conversation because it's a convicting one. And I think we should just kind of lean into a little bit of spaces where the struggle is for that all. What does that look like? And yeah, let's see what God wants to do. I love that. Wow. It's when we talk about the struggle of all, like uh, we just went through a message talking about idolatry and oh, I've listened to the message a few times now wow. and I just feel like, oh God, I feel him going there. And you mm. know what? I, I do have idols in my life. I, I'll admit it. God has to reveal it to me so I can repent and turn, but I'm so easily drawn to mm. things that feel good, things that are comfortable. I don't want suffering. I don't want sacrifice. I don't want to put myself in a place of intentionally costing me something. Mm. Honestly, how yeah. often would I be like, I'm or looking going to foolish or failing <laughs> or totally. not being good at something, right? Like all of those spaces are like, oh yeah. And I wouldn't just say, wow, I'm going to sacrifice to what really hurts tomorrow. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I don't even like going to the gym and experiencing pain with working out. Okay. That's so, like, funny. That's uh, so funny. I don't even love it. I'll walk my dogs leisurely in the forest for hours, but you go and I'm hurts like, my body. It's like, why would I want to do why that? Why do I want to do that? <laughs> But honestly, it really is something in my nature. I won't in put on myself, put myself in a position where I am intentionally inviting a healthy, I'm not talking about unhealthy, <laughs> yeah. healthy sacrifice cost. And so God has to go there with mm. me. God has to go there, whether it's my time, whether it's financially giving above and beyond, whether it's give, whatever it may be whatever, you name it, would God say no to that? And I'm like, but I can, but I can. That's the thing. It's different when it's like a no, but when God says no, and I can, when I know that, well, I could still do it or justify it, or I don't, I could buy that and not give that. I could do this instead and not do that. It's when we can. 
And uh, I mean, it's a quite an interesting journey right now as we're, we're really feeling the sense of revival, God going to this deeper place of, do you want me? Do you just want me? God is saying, well, if you do, I'm going to, I'm going to show you where there's lots of you. (laughs) I need to take more residence. And uh, it's not a, it's not out of condemnation. It's out of a beautiful place of discipline, a beautiful place of intimacy for God inviting us to come, to come closer. So true. It's so true. One of the questions I think would be good to unpack today is how would you describe the word all? Like what would that actually mean in, in, in the context of what God is calling us to, what Jesus asks of us? this all space, like, what do you think that means? And like, as I think about it, like, I think about some of the scriptures, like, you know, pray without ceasing, like pray without, you know, and never stopping. Like, does that actually mean to only pray just to be praying all the time? No, it doesn't mean to be praying all the time. So all I don't think in this context necessarily means like, all of the time, or like, that's the only thing you could ever do ever. But I think it's, that be continually and wholeheartedly and easily given over to prayer at any time, mm-hmm. like be available to pray at any time, ha- be postured towards an, a heart of prayer. Like, you know, if we're having a conversation and the something comes up, that's a struggle or, you know, you you're facing something or you're going through, just stop in the conversation, just pray while you're talking. Like, why does it have to be or there's a relational challenge, just stop and pray about that. Like that's, I think what pray without ceasing means. I don't think. And so in this context of all, like, I don't think it's that, you know, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means that like the only thing we can ever do is think about God, pray, worship, go to church, all these sort of external actions and behaviors around the all aspect of our faith. But I think it's that God actually has we have a wholehearted approach towards God, that he has access to everything, that he is first over everything, that that he is our first love, that we recognize what he's done for us, that there's a completeness to our salvation, that we don't need to go looking for salvation, a sense of saving in anything else, that it's complete in him. So there's I think as I think about all, there's like a completeness to it, a a wholeness to it, as opposed to like all of the time and everything. Do do you know what I mean by that? Do you know what I mean by that difference? So good, Laura. And I think, you know, growing up and even being a Christian for many years and struggling with really feeling I had to attain or striving perfectionism, those type of things. When you would hear the words like be all in, I'd be like, okay, well, I've got to do this. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. I don't attend church enough. I don't witness enough. It's all about, I'm not enough. No, actually, I'm actually not. Yeah. And I think all in, I love the word you use posture. It's a complete posture of obedience because at any moment, if God says, no, I don't want you to do that or says, you, you hurt, like you need to repent of that. Am I postured in a place to just maneuver? That's the all in that I've, I'm not, I'm owned now. I'm not mine. And I've been brought, I've been bought with a price. I've literally been bought. I am God's in the most beautiful way. But if he says, I want you to for his good, he's so trustworthy and so wonderful, but I can't see, I can't see where those idols are. I can't always see where it's all me messing things up. Sometimes I do. And when he's so graceful to reveal it to me, am I 
posture to be all in to respond quickly, immediately. That's where I think the all in and that's where I'm contending for. Because if I was to be very honest, I don't always respond <laughs> quickly. Sometimes I'll walk away and be like, oh, I missed it. I was, I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to. Yeah. And it's not even the big things. I feel like some of the big things I hear and I'm like, okay, yes. But the little things, like that little nudge where I'm like, but I'm so comfortable on the couch, ready to <laughs> turn on this awesome show. It's know, not I even a bad your, show. I remember your story with that one time when you said God, you felt like God asked you to go to your neighbor's house and you didn't yeah. like, and you were like, oh. I you don't know, want or whatever. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really don't want to. I'm actually so comfortable. It's been a long day. I'm tired. It's that. Yeah. It's those moments. Mm. It's not like all of a sudden I, I said something that wasn't untruthful. I'm like, oh, no, I got to correct that. Okay, I feel that. I know it. No, it's comfort. It's usually related to comfort. God's like, are you willing to put that down and close that? Shut that TV off. Go spend time with your daughter. Go have that conversation. Call that person. Answer the doorbell. <laughs> go make a meal for somebody mm-hmm. on response to the voice of God, not out of doing mm. it's out of being with him. Mm. And I think once again, we're circling back. It's not the doing aspect that, de- that kind of defines the all in it's the being aspect that defines the all in. Am I with him? Am I responsive to him? Is my heart tender and responsive? That's the all in. And I, to be honest, the tests I usually fail are when it's really subtle and comfort and when it would be easy just to say, oh, that's just, I'll do it tomorrow or that's not that big of a deal or yeah, I'm just feeling that. No, those are the moments I need to respond. And so I think that's the all in. I think the all in is defined by the being. I love how you said it's that posture Mm. of being with God, responding to him not just out of doing, but being with him and what he's at work doing and wants me to partner in his work, in what his heart, to, he wants us to be with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you touched on something really practical there um, at the end because I was thinking, you know, while you were saying that, you know, for some people they're like, well, how do you actually know that? How do you do that? Like, well, you know, I'm not doing what God is asking me. Well, how do you even know that God's asking you to do that? Like sometimes we have to take a step back, but I think you touched on it really, really beautifully. Like, you know, what does the, what does even the posturing to walk in the obedience look like for us as followers of Jesus? And it is, it's about that being space. We, we, the only way we're going to know if we even can make the choice to be all in or not is to spend time with God. We actually have to spend time with him. And so this all space is this being with him. And are we allowing him to be with us? And are we being with him in every aspect and expression of our life? So I'll give you like a really practical example. So, you know, every day, we have lots of things to do. There's like, I don't, you know, are you a checklist person? You like your lists? Do you have your, do you write it down? Is that what? Oh, for Kay. sure. Me too. So I've got my checklist. It's like being added to constantly. Right. And so a posture is like, I could just go into my day and just start on that checklist, or I could take time actually in my time with the Lord to posture myself, to bring him into my day by actually saying, here, God, here's the things I have on my list of things to do today. I want to just invite you into this space. God, would you invite me into what it is that you're already doing? And just sit in that space for a minute. Just rest in it. Not It doesn't have to be like 
two hours. It can literally be five minutes, you know, out, but it's like, are we intentionally actually just asking God, God, is this what you have for me? And I've found that, you know, as God has set me free from even, you know, a, a, a dread, uh, an anxious presence, an anxious inner world. Like I find that whenever I sense anxiety and stress coming back on, I'll often do exactly that. I'll just take time to pause and I'll just say, okay, what have I taken on that you didn't ask me to take on? Mm. Because if I'm feeling so good, right? Like if I'm feeling overworked, overwhelmed, I've got like, like I've got an anxious pit in my stomach. I'm feeling like the, the heaviness on my shoulders. I'm, I'm feeling the paralysis of anxiety. Like I'm like, okay, God, there's something here that's out of, or like there's something I've taken on that you probably haven't asked me mm. because you promised to be with me and you promised that I would have peace. And, and I believe that. So let's sit and let's just see what that is, you know, and I, I just, I give you this. And so it's like a posturing. And sometimes that happens just in the middle of the day. And it's just a few, it's not a long time. It's just a, but again, it's like this invitation and this, and that's how I think we walk it out on a practical level, this being space, because again, it's not just about like God is, as we talk about it, it sounds so practical. It's like God saying, okay, um, go talk to that person in the other office right now. Um, call so-and-so, right? It's not Mm -hmm. so direct like that, but it is just the sensitivity and resting and listening. And an idea comes through your mind, Lord, is that from you? Is that something you want me to respond to? Just a waiting on, and that's constantly, that's the constant and the complete and the whole space of allowing God in each space. Now, again, do we do that perfectly every time? No, (laughs) definitely not. I would say for me too, the temptation would be just to get so caught up in all the doing that I don't even take time. I don't even take the time to just rest in, okay, God, where, and often the convicting space for me is I can get it to the place where I'm overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've done it again. Like I've done it again. I've just picked up the burden of all of these things and I'm the only one that can do them. And, you know, and I've got to execute on all these things. I have all these responsibilities. All these people need things for me, right? And God's like, really <laughs> like again <laughs> really you know yeah, and that can totally. be that can be my my space of contending that can be my my idol worship honestly is self-sufficiency it's mm. awful it's like literally oh great you worship yourself yeah yeah <laughs> I, on some level yeah i think when you strip everything back ew it's kind of we all worship ourselves ew. It's really it is gross when you even say that you're like oh no i I, I'm not talking about anyone else's model. I have built a big model of myself, a big idol of myself. Oh, everything I think you could strip back to idolatry Probably is self pride. I know pride, self sufficiency. I'm, I know better. And it's so uh. interesting. Even the two coins of pride, right? It's oh, the yeah. self importance of pride. Yeah, and then it's also the self loathing of pride. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you could be on either side of the but coin. But you're first. <laughs> you're you're first. I'm all I'm thinking about. <laughs> It's so true. And I love, Laura, how you gave those practical steps for all of you listening, because even that, as Laura was talking about that posturing of even a checklist of being able in those moments, you're about to do something. I welcome you. Those pauses in the day, sometimes even setting your alarm, like intentionally saying, I'm going to set an alarm at when I start my day at noon 
and the end of my day to say, God, how does, you know, how do you want me to do today? I invite you in today. How's today going? Is there anything you want me to pivot? And at the end of the day, God, I hope today pleased you. And I want to end this day by saying thank you. Simple, simple like that. Another thing is too, when you're hearing the voice of God, it could be, you even made mention of it, a small nudge. All of a sudden you have this fleeting thought, this feeling. You could just once again, stop and say, God, is that something you want me to do? Like that happened the other day when I was about to turn the TV on. I felt the Lord said, no, I don't want you to do that right now. I felt it. Just this little nudge, like maybe I should just spend a bit more time with God tonight. Like just, I've had a really long day. Like this would be a perfect time to wrap up in my blanket and watch like whatever, a documentary of some kind. And I felt God said, no, I want you to come to me. I want you. Well, I had to get off the couch. I didn't want to, but I felt it. And I got up and you know what? The Lord does the most beautiful work there. It wasn't anything to write in my journal, nothing like that. But it was like, I walked away and I thought I never regretted that. Cause even if you're wondering and I, I acted on it, I never regret that. I never walk away and say, wow, I shouldn't have called that person. I really shouldn't have spent that quality time with so-and-so. I don't do it out of earning or please. We have to some, sometimes for some of you listening, you might actually have to rest because in your mind, you're always doing, and you feel like somehow you feel guilty when you rest. For me, it what I'm not talking about that, but it's those moments to say, God, is this you? Is this something I can do? And if the nudge keeps coming back, just act on it. Just act on it and surrender it to the Lord. And it's beautiful. And uh, anyway, now, have I always done that? No, there's sometimes I've literally just been like, oh, that's just my thoughts. <laughs> I'm just going to. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, whatever it may be. But honestly, it's the beautiful journey we're on of being with God and not of doing, out of being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love to, and I feel like this is part of what God's doing in this season, is that there's this like fresh freedom coming to not have to do faith perfectly yes like in such a beautiful way because like I don't know for so many years I think we felt like we had to pretend like we were doing it perfectly and we would almost like talk about the different aspects of our faith from the perspective of earning from the perspective of like yeah like you know I read my bible every day I like almost like proving that we're doing the things we're supposed to do as Christians whereas I feel like just this season there's just coming this beautiful humility and recognition that like I actually can't and that's actually like in my weakness like he is strong like that embracing the fullness of the truth of that 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 is why the helper was sent like you're not you're never you were never meant to do it perfectly you were never meant to be able to do it perfectly and actually to just embrace that and it is a hard one to embrace because nothing in our life really works like that Mm -hmm. like in our relationships with one another we do expect each other to do it perfectly and when we hurt each other we get offended that we've hurt each other and how could you do that and how could you even say that and I would never do something like that to someone and you know and we get like that we don't give ourselves the freedom to actually be in relationship with each other imperfectly. Mm-hmm. We don't do that well. We don't live that out well at work when we make mistakes, when we fall, when we sometimes we're fired for it. Like it's there's consequences for failing in almost every aspect of our life. But with our relationship with God, they're just I don't know, there's just a beautiful mm-hmm. sort of embracing the flawed mm-hmm. part of are walking this out that it is not going to happen perfectly but that we can humbly actually be honest 
about that and be honest about our need for the Holy Spirit. And I feel like too, in this season, it's almost as though there's this increased focus on the dependency on the Holy Spirit, on our dependency, how much we need him, a recognition of that. Um, instead of, again, the other side of like proving of like, look at all these things I did. I'm good with God because I've done all these things. That seems to be just washing away. And and not just for me, but for so many, like you're hearing it and it's like giving permission for people to flourish in their imperfections, like, and just embrace the walking of that out. So I love that. I love that in this season. Oh, Laura, I, I just want to just kind of follow a little um, whisper here. I feel like even as you're talking about that, the closest analogy I can actually think of in my own life, and this just pertains to me, but having children. And I think about when my kids were little, when they were born, there wasn't this expectation for them to be perfect. Oh my goodness. They're still not perfect. And I'm not a perfect parent, but they were born and I had to teach them so much. And oh my goodness, the tantrums and the falling and the bruising of falling downstairs. And I think of them as toddlers. I often think when I think of myself with God, we're so much like toddlers, the amount of tantrums, the amount of <laughs> things I think, no, I want it my way. How God puts us in time out for good things because God disciplines us, but he's got so much better for us. And I just feel like that's exactly how God is. He's not looking for perfectionism. We're his children. He's looking for us to hold his hand and to follow. We will not get this right. We are not going to get this. We are not going to get this. And what is that picture of the holding hand? It's trust. It's trust. Complete dependency. You know the way. You supply my every need. Like my kids weren't working, weren't shopping. What? (laughs) Wow, that's so rude. (laughs) Come on, you toddler. Get behind that wheel. Go do my work. Honestly, they were fully freeloading off me, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I was doing all the heavy lifting, but is that not how God is? But when they would lay their head and cuddle with me, I I wasn't doing it for them to give back to me. It was literally their affection and love filled every single part of my heart. And I feel, is that not so much like God, like for us to be with him, that we fully freeload? We're full. I am fully freeloading on God. I mean that every ounce of grace has been given to me. I have not earned one ounce of it. And every day I wake up lavished in the mercy and grace of God, Yeah, fully drinking on the grace of God. And what does he want? My heart, my hand, my affection, my love for him. Those little cards that are so imperfectly spelt and drawn. That's what I am. But how it touches his heart when we lean on his chest, speak to him, love him, cuddle his heart, like literally take delight in being with him. That is in the most simple way of me identifying it. That is the greatest picture, I think, even right now. But somehow I feel like I have to attain something. No, he's God. He's got this. But he wants our heart. He wants us to hold his hand and to be with him. That's what he wants. And I know that's like very simply saying it. I know there's sanctification in us growing with Jesus. I'm not diminishing walking with him and growing and not staying as babies, you know, that we grow. But I'm saying actually at the essential part of it all, that's the simplicity of it. He's the father. We are the child. Complete dependence on him. Such a good analogy. Such a good analogy. And that's the invitation. Yeah. Just to be with him. That's the invitation. 
and will we hear it? And I think the all aspect again comes in in saying yes, yeah. yes, I'll be with you. That is my first priority. That's the most important thing. I value it more than anything else. You know, can we say that? Another great question, you know, in this conversation is around that Exodus 3:20 scripture, you know, I have no other gods before me. How would you know if you had another God before God? Like, what does that actually look like in our lives? How do we actually get honest with ourselves about the things that are taking the all place in our life? Because I think sometimes we, well, not sometimes, we're, we're master deceivers of ourselves. So, because it's not a matter of like, do you love God? Because you can love God, but you can have something else in first place. Like you can absolutely say, no, I love God. Like I love him so much. And like I've given my life to him. And you can say all of those things. What does it actually look like? How would you know if you have another God for in first place? Well, I think it would be like the story of the rich ruler. I think it'd be very similar. I don't think the rich ruler knew that he had another God in no. front, right? No. Until he encountered Jesus and Jesus said he went right to it sell all that you have. Right. And he couldn't do it. So I think when God starts to speak to things, will you give that to me? Will you lay that down? Will you say no to that? Would you be willing to do that? And right away we're like, no, I think. Then you know. Then you know. And I think that happens the littlest to the biggest. And I think that's moment by, I think that's exactly what we're talking about. Being with God. When God puts his finger on something, we're like, no, that's my time. No, I'm busy with doing things for my family. No, I already have plans. No, I want to buy that and not give that money to something else. No, like all of that. You just can put any little bit. Would you take your $20 and buy that person lunch and not have lunch today? Because all of a sudden you feel this nudge in line. Would you do that? It's from the littlest to the biggest. I think we don't know. We often don't know until God puts his finger on that thing. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And we need to, yeah. It's so interesting too that the rich with the story of the rich young ruler, because I, I was thinking about it and reading it recently and, and you know, it said that he saw Jesus and he ran to him and knelt before him, mm. like such a posture of humility, such a posture of serving, such a, like if you saw someone run to someone and kneel before them, you'd be like, wow, like they really like, that's a posture of worship. Wow. That's a posture of surrender. Like that is, you know, and then what does Jesus say to him? You know, he says, you know, <clears throat> He's all the, he, he starts to list the commandments and the rich young ruler says, well, I've done all, I've kept all those things. Like I have, I've kept them, you know, do not murder, da, 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 honor your parents, all of the ones, right? There's six, I think that he mentions. And, um, the rich young ruler says, I've done all of those. Like, so here he's in a posture of worship. He sees Jesus as he is. He knows he has something he needs. He's in a posture of complete humility. I think he would probably say, I love him right? Like I, I want a relationship with him. I love him. I'm knelt down. And then Jesus said, well, this is the one thing that I ask of you. Go and sell all you have and follow me. What an invitation. What an invitation. I mean, not everybody got an invitation to follow him in real life, in the flesh, in like that was extraordinary, a very, very rare, rare thing that Jesus did. He did it for his 12 disciples. I don't even think he did it for anyone else. That was it. So this would have been what a 13th disciple maybe potentially he was inviting him right into his closest inner circle and he walked away sadly he wouldn't do that one thing and and so it's a fascinating idea it's a fascinating thought this idea of like what has your all because whatever it is that has your all 
even if you love God on the side, like even if you follow all the rules of faith, like even if on the outside you look like the best Christian, like your friends would say that you're the best Christian, your friends would say like you're such a loving person, you know, you pray all the time, you put God first, like from the outside, what is that one thing? This one thing I ask, what, what's that thing that Jesus would say to you, would say to, uh, to me, that we would have to lay down in order to put him first? And the thing that's so crazy about it is like we can see throughout scripture and in our relationship with God that when we lay that thing down, it's not, it's never so that that we can never have that thing. In fact, God just wants to give it to us in the right order. He just wants mm-hmm. it to be in the right order of our lives. Like if it's our family that we have to lay down because really our families are God and our family has first place. And it's not that God wants to take your family away. He just wants to rightly order That's so good, the Lord. priority of so your good. family because he is the only giver of life. That is actually the place you're going to find true life. You're not going to find it in your family. In fact, if your family is your first, they're going to let you down. Mm. <laughs> it's not going to produce true life. It might be great for a while. might be great for a season while your kids need you. There's going to come a day. They're going to leave. Mm. They're going to move on. And what do you have then? Like it's got, there's a reason for why God has asked us to put it in this order. And it is not mm. to take from us. Like it is not. Now, does God take things sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. And I think in this story of the rich young ruler, yeah, God asked him to lay down all that stuff. But I believe that probably in another day, in another way, at some other point in his life, he probably would have had all that he had and more. Don't you? Because it would have been in the rightful place. Oh, Laura, I love that so much. Don't you wonder, even as you're saying that, if only we had a glimpse into what happened to him after. Yes. Like imagine if he had laid it all down and he became a disciple. Yeah. Like he had no idea in that moment. The extraordinary, most supernatural time in all of yeah. all of scripture and history yeah jesus came to earth like jesus came to earth and lived with us for and he dealt with the disciples for just over three years like that small window a pocket a pocket in thousands of years like this is it he was invited to that pocket that 12 people 13 him being the 13th invited to that what was his life after like like yeah he would maybe lay down all his riches but what type of riches would he have picked up like even Jesus saying that I thought wow I wonder what his life was like after Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. walked away sadly what did he end up doing with his whole life anyway and that's a little bit like the the it's the trust walk with God right Mm -hmm. the trusting okay God do I trust that what you have is better than what I have put in first place like, do I trust that you are good? Mm-hmm. Do I trust that you have good for me? Do I trust your call? And good doesn't mean that things aren't going to be hard or that it wouldn't be hard to lay things down that have first place. That's not. But do I ultimately trust that you are calling me for such a time to something greater than I could ever experience by holding on to what I've put in first place or wow. what I've, like you just said, said, no, God. I, I won't give you that. No, I'm, I won't do that. No, don't touch my money. Don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my comfort. Don't touch my family. Don't touch my what? What are all those things that we're holding that we're looking for life in when Jesus said, no, you have to lay down your life. 
You have to lay down your life to experience it. And I'll give you, I'll give you life abundantly. I'll give you more life than you'll ever find here. This is just, this is just a glimpse. These earthly things are simply a glimpse of the fullness of what I actually have for you. If I'm in right, rightful first place, right? I love how you explained all of that, Lori. Like about, it's not that God doesn't care about your family or doesn't care about your business, doesn't care about all those things, but it's the rightful place. And for some, he does ask specifically for certain things. And there are certain things in our lives that God has asked us for, whether it's career plans, whether it's whatever it may be. A life of singleness. A life of singleness. Could be an ask, right? I don't know. Like that could be like literally. Having children. Yeah. Not saying that God is just like, no, you're not free. But what if God's like, are you willing to trust? Yeah, to trust. If you lay that down because it has been a closed door, are you willing to trust? Yeah, yeah. That I am working something good, that I have a great purpose. Those are painful things. Yeah. Yeah. But those are some of those big, those big yeah. moments and big yeah. impasses that we have to stand back and look at through a different lens versus now there is a process of healing and grieving and mourning. I'm not talking about that, yeah. but I'm talking yeah. about there's a redemptive lens to stand back and yeah. say, okay, God, if this has not been a plan or you're asking now you're, I'm responding yeah. to say this yeah. has closed or I feel like this is a new way of living. God, am I willing to trust that you're going to work something out good? And there's yeah. a beautiful plan and purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think you and I are both like, what we're not saying is, like, uh, I don't believe that God brings harm or pain to us just for some sort of, yeah. you know, like it, it's not like that in any way. Like the enemy is fully at work in our lives as well. And there's, you know, the pain that we've experienced or, you know, sickness or diagnosis or, you know, even just, yeah, even just like a lack of meeting someone when, you know, I, I, I'm not, we're not trying to say God's done that to you for yes. some sort of, yes. but, but in the midst of whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, like, are we willing to lay our desires down yes. before him and say, God, I trust you as greater than even how I saw my life going, uh, how the desires that I have, um, even what you have given me to steward. Am I willing to lay all of that down and trust you as the giver of life? And how do I best steward what you've placed in my hands? When the other way, the all being in something else like the rich young ruler is no, I'm going to walk away sad and hold on to what I have. Exactly. Right. So this is, this is the what, surrender piece. It's the surrender piece of like, it's not whether I have it or not. It's, am I willing to lay it down no matter what it is and trust God mm. in that? That's and what that beautiful. looks like. That's right? what we're saying. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Sometimes like, sometimes it can come across like, oh, God did this or, you know, yeah. I, all I've ever wanted my whole life is for, you know, this to happen and God, you know, took this from me. No, that he doesn't, he, he's not like that every good and perfect gift is from him alone like he's only capable of good he's actually not capable of like doing something bad to us but does that mean that hard things don't happen no no hard things happen absolutely because we live in a broken and fallen world and hardship happens but he is working good things in the midst of hardship and that's the trust piece of like can i see god in that way that's a big part of honestly i think this whole conversation is Mm -hmm. our view of god Mm -hmm. what do we believe about god and i think if we don't trust him then we he will not have first place 
And so it's to get to the place where we can actually put our trust in him in order to allow him to have first place. Because if we don't trust that he's good and if we don't trust him with our lives, then he can't, we trust something else. Our trust is in something else. So that's a big... Oh, that's a big, well, I think space. you, I actually think you articulate that beautiful. That is the heart of this story. And that, yeah, God isn't a God card. You can just pull, you hit a crisis, you pull the God card. It's not like that because that God card, it's not like it activates something else. We've been, we've walked with people that have gone through crisis and they're like, well, God's not doing this. Like all of a sudden they pull out the God card. Like I'm trumping. This is the ACE. Like going to trump every storm, every situation is this God card. Why is God doing this to me? That's right. God's, God's taken this from me or God's not answering prayer or God's, yeah, God's doing this to me. God doesn't care. God doesn't see what we're saying is exactly that piece when that happens and we walk that through, are we willing to not see God as literally like a card or a piece of a chessboard, but to say like, God, my life is yours and I'm willing to surrender to the bigger picture that you're working in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my brokenness, that I can trust that you're going to see me through. And I believe that you could do all things, yet I also hold that you're in control and I trust you, that it's not in the outcome, but it's in who you are that I'm putting my trust in. So I think it's all those things working together, but what a powerful story. What a convicting story. Because even as we've been talking about this um, on the past Sunday and the messages have been coming out of it, it's been going to deeper place like, God, where, show me, where am I doing this? And you know what? He will, he will. <laughs> I've got to be willing to lean into that too. I don't want to just know and walk away. I want to be like, no, okay, God, I want to follow. I want to follow. I don't want to be like, oh, you showed me. Oh, okay, it's too bad. <laughs> no, I want to be like, God, help me also to have a responsive heart. Okay, it's one thing for you to show me it. Oh, but God, give me a heart that's tender to respond to you. To say, okay, I'll follow you. Okay, I'll lay that down. The little things, not just the big things, but the little things. Help me to be responsive in all ways to you. Yeah. 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 No, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I think that's a great uh, question for us to all reflect on just to take in our time with the Lord and just reflect on Lord, where, what has my all, what has my all, where have I placed it? And, and again, it's not just an overarching in your life thing. It is in the little things too. Sometimes it's just in the little day to day moments. God, what have I given priority to? And where is the root of that? Like, where is that coming from in my life? And help me to be able to lay that down. And again, it really is just a posture of surrender. It's, it's just, are you willing to lay it down and trust that God has something good in the midst? And I promise you, even if you're going through something really difficult right now, and even if there are some aspects of your life and story that just have not turned out the way that you'd hope that they would, um, I, I just encourage you and challenge you to see God as good. And to see God, that God is with you, that he's actually with you in the midst of it. And that in the midst of that difficult circumstance or that dream that has never come to be or that desire that seems to permeate every aspect of your life, that God is actually walking with you and he desires for good for you. And can you trust his good over your good? Can you trust that he has abundant life for you? That's what he came to give and that's what he wants. But when, and, that, and he can only fully pour that out when he has first place because it's only found in him. 
It's only the fullness of life is only found in him. It won't be found in that desire. It won't be found in, you know, when the outcome of your circumstance works out, it won't be found in when your life looks the way that you'd hope that it would. All of those spaces are spaces of surrender to say, God, okay, I lay this down at the foot of your your cross and I receive you relationship with you. You are the giver of life. Fill me with your life and something will happen something will happen in that space. So I just encourage you, even if you have to do it daily, sometimes we have to do it every day about specific things, especially the big things. We sometimes have to keep laying them down and keep laying them down and trusting, putting our trust in God. Some people have, you know, when I've been talking with different people, walking some of these things out, working them out in their life in a practical way, they've said to me, but how do you actually trust God? Like, how do you do it? And again, how do you surrender something? How do you lay something down? It literally is just verbalizing it. Like there's not, it's not something physical that you can do. So good. It's just confessing that you just, you just confess it again and again and again until it actually takes root into your spirit and your heart and brings change. Like it isn't like, like, what do I have to do? Like, do I have to go and like take all my things? Well, if God tells you to, but no, probably not. You just have to verbally confess it. You need to say, God, I lay down my family. I lay down my dreams and desires. I lay down my future, the uncertainty of my future. I have no idea. I I so desire to be in this type of career or to, you know, go into this type of work or, you know, to lean into this space. God, I lay this down afresh today. Is this your will for my life? That it's just confession. It's just a verbal surrendering. I like to picture and I like to verbalize and say, God, I, I lay this at the foot of the cross. I like to just picture you know, the finished work of Jesus, that I'm surrendering it to what he's already done. That helps me in my visualization and in my surrendering process. But that's, that's how you do it. And how do you trust God? Well, it starts with a confession. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I trust you in this. It starts with a confession. So just start there. I love that so much, Lori. And I, I do love too, that you even said like the confession and some of you may need to do something physically in the sense of, you know, years ago I had this picture of a daily Chuck and it was literally that, whether it was sin, whether it was things I was holding onto and you could, for me, it was picturing it like a bag of rocks and I would stand at the ocean in my brain. Okay. This yeah, is me. You get a little mind. picture yeah, into you're my, visual, my you're visualizing, <laughs> yeah. visualizing. And with the God, I would confess it and chuck it. Be like, I give this out. I take it out of my bag. Like, I don't want to carry this. It's a weight I cannot carry. Disappointment, upset, whatever it may be. And I would just verbalize it and surrender it. And I think it's exactly what you were saying. It could be a visualization, like something like that, saying it out loud. And I would literally say it out loud as I physically showed myself chucking it, saying, I'm throwing it, whether it's sin, whether it's all of this to let go of that weight. It really is about saying, take it off. It's not yours to carry. There is God. He is meant to be the one to fully carry the weight of all that we need, all that we can be, but all that he is is what we need. And so there's weights that we are carrying that are literally going to drag us down. There are things that we hold on to so tightly, like that rich young ruler, that was a bag of rocks. All the riches in the world was a bag of rocks. And here God was giving him riches of heaven, spiritual riches and intimacy with this, to walk with Jesus on earth. He had no idea of. So whatever you feel is so important today, if you can trust God and ask him, even in that, throw your doubt, 
Throw your fear. Throw even that insecurity like, God, can I trust you? Throw it. Confess it. Say, God, I don't even believe you're trustworthy. I throw that off and I want to receive your trustworthiness. I want to receive that, that revelation that you're good. Even that today for some of you may be that simple confession that God, I don't believe you're good. So I'm going to chuck that and I'm going to say, so I say you are good. I believe that I have doubt and fear. I chuck that, but I receive faith and I receive right now that revelation that you're my father, your heart for me is good. I say that. So as you confess what you're chucking, receive through confession what you're believing. And those are powerful moments, really powerful moments. So, so good. So good. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this conversation today. I know it's challenged us for sure. And we hope it's challenged you in some way. Thanks for spending some time with us.